yeah, we can kick back into it here. Um, it's where we record. We record these. We'll give y'all some behind the scenes here. We record these two at a time, the two thirty minute episodes. Our uh, good friend and host of On the Edge, K. A. Owens. Yeah, good good friends, K. yeah. Shout out to K. A. Owens. Maybe a good friend. I don't know if that was a maybe too strong of an endorsement of him, but no, no, he's a good guy. Known him for years. He's given us this opportunity, but we record uh, two episodes at once. So we try to pick up the momentum, but not realizing, you know, they're they're spaced out a week apart. So, uh, you know, patience with us if you kind of... Well, it kind of gives it a cliffhanger kind of aspect to it a little bit, don't you think? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, you know, stay tuned for part two, and then it comes on a week later. I guess, like, you know, <laughs> those old uh, radio serials that used to come on... Yes. You'd have to wait around to see what's going to happen to... They're uh, waiting anxiously. Yeah, Ren 1010 or something. You know, so like, I'm proud to be a part of that radio tradition, man. But you was telling me something the other day on the phone about the Chauvin case and how Mm. there was some controversy there. Well... Put some bars on that. What is happening is what many of us suspected uh, would happen, that uh, the uh, defenders of... Chauvin are looking for an excuse to prevent him from going to jail for that heinous act of aggression that he exhibited in killing George Floyd. So they'll they'll find anything they can grasp onto here. So what are they looking at right now? Well, they seem to have found uh, a black juror who, in their minds, um, has... um, disqualified himself after the fact because it was discovered that he attended a Martin Luther King rally. Was it a black girl? This is a... This um, is a black male. A mass-presenting person. Okay. Yes. Yes, sorry. And um, somehow that was um, construed to mean that he supported uh, or was biased in favor of George Floyd because he was at this demonstration and George Floyd's name came up. I mean, the rally for Martin Luther King wasn't about George Floyd, but because it happened at the time of the Floyd case, quite naturally that would be one of the issues. But if the defense has any kind of case at all, it might be based on the fact that he was also wearing a a T-shirt that said, get your foot or get your knee off my neck. So all of this supposedly proves that he was uh, not an objective juror and he should have been disqualified. Uh, they even claimed that he lied to one uh, on one of the questions uh, where they were interviewing him about being um, a juror. Do they have any merit? Well, it's hard to say. Um I don't know if it has any merit at all. A lot of it depends on how the judge sees this. I mean, will the judge see it uh, to be productive to reverse the decision in this verdict? Uh, Looking at the social repercussions, uh, is this just another ploy by the defense to reduce Chauvin's uh, verdict and conviction? And uh, instead of getting those 40 years, he gets out in two or three years and he's back on the streets again. 
So I don't know, but I do know that uh, if they let this joker get off, there's going to be hell to pay. So we'll see how it unfolds. That's uh, Michael T. Opinions uh, <laughs> on the hell to pay uh, would be some sort of, uh, I don't know how we could spin that. I don't want us to get fined. I mean, we rarely get any convictions. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, this is one of the few times any cop has gone to jail for any type of murder. And now they want to reverse this one, the most highly publicized case in the history of cases. No, and this is going to be reversed. I'm snapping, but you're right. It's gonna. This is not gonna be good because, like we said, there were some people in the streets that saw this. You know, the right verdict was was came out. We know it's. I think if anything, this tells us just how fragile these things are. You should not count these chickens, but because they haven't really hatched yet, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't even know if he's going to get a slap on the wrist. Yeah. You know. So we. But it's so. That's how fragile these individual cases of justice and or reform can be. I don't know. What's the merit of focusing in on an individual case here? What, what What's some of the good that comes out of that? Well, again, like I said in the last episode, uh, my brother, I think we have to measure all of this by the end goal. What is the end goal? Is the end goal depending on the criminal criminal justice system to bring justice for us, knowing who controls that, or is the end goal for us to gain control of the policing apparatus ourselves and to eventually abolish policing as we know it? So I think that should be the measurement, and anything that happens along these lines uh, must be measured uh, by those criteria. Now, at the very least, we can focus in on a multiplicity of issues, excessive force, uh, jury trials themselves, uh, who should be on juries, Uh, and of course all of this is connected to the uh, Breonna Taylor cases, the case and other cases around the country. There are many cases yeah. going on. So I think the, the merit is that there is still focus on this. But we would be remiss if we, you know, as a community, don't do everything within our power to put forth our demands, not just passively wait for the very people who have historically oppressed us to resolve our issues. Yeah. We know ultimately they're not going to do it, notwithstanding the conviction of George Floyd, I mean of uh, uh, Derek Chauvin. They're already trying to reverse that. So what little bit of justice we think we got is even threatened to be reversed. Yeah. And this will continue to happen. I'm going to come in hot take here. Man... I severely question how much utility it is to just sort of fine-tooth comb, zoom in, uh, perhaps to the degree that the mainstream media has on individual cases. You know, so much of some some of the stuff, 
it kind of, man, it turns my stomach a little bit. Some of the Breonna Taylor case details where it was just treated like this true crime novel. Mm. And people just, it was very, you know, the salaciousness of it all. And this is when I talk to um, people on the streets, maybe maybe I'm being a little harsh, but when I talk to people on the streets, that's really what they're, <clears throat> they're hanged up on. They're kind mm-hmm. of, I see it almost like, you know, trees through the forest, you know, mm. sort of a reverse of like, we're zeroing in when these these rampant abuses occur like across the board, and you know I I do see so you know I said this man Brianna Taylor was uh, very much a uh, it was almost a Emmett Till of this time mm. of just this you know this case that just I mean it grabbed the people of this town. And, you know, what we saw subsequently, the world. And I don't know. I'm, I'm to be continued, perhaps, I feel like if we, you know, just sort of zero in and we get into, you know, it almost feels tabloid-esque, you know, or we're just we're ruminating on, you know, just the, the small details. That, number one, it's just, I don't know, it feels like... Man, I don't know how do we how do we truly honor someone who's no longer with us if we continue to uh, just uh, scrutinize and you know their their lives are just under this microscope mm-hmm. and so I don't know I'm, I'm I wrestle with that sometimes I understand it's you know the, there's uh, contradictions abound. In doing this, but uh, I myself, I won't just because I'm wrestling with it doesn't mean I'm gonna opt out of that discourse, you know. I, I, I just want to win, yeah. you know. But I we don't want to become Afro pessimists. No, <laughs> no, no. Uh, yeah, but I, but I want to. But you know what I mean, like. And and all power to all oppressed people. We yes. say that at the top of the show, um, but I just know that like. The powers that be at times, man, they can, they can let these things sleep. They, it's like we, we talk about this mm-hmm. uh, on occasion in our, you know, conversing with one another. Uh, this individualistic sort of mentality, where we, you know, we individualize these things. I hear mm-hmm. it, and I'm, and I've said this enough times. Yeah. I guess this is true confessions where, you know, that could happen to me. Yes. So we hone in on that. Well, you know, what they did to Brianna could happen to me. So that's why I stand up and fight. And I, and honestly, I, I mean, that's if, if, that would, if that's what gets you out there, I'll take it. But I do challenge. I challenge myself and I challenge others. Um, you know, if we had this collective lens towards, like, what we see as what it means to be human, what it means to exist in humanity, and how do these systems of injustice uh, belabor that? I feel like, man, maybe we could uh, put some things down. I'll, I mean, uh, I just know that we we need each other here. Like, we're not these social movements within recorded human history, these social movements are not you know, they don't come about uh, through 
just kind of one-sided, you know, a lens of, uh, you know, what needs to be done or any of that, man. It's just, it's a, it's a mass social upheaval. And like you said, we have to look at this as, um, an injury to one is an injury to all. Absolutely. And, you know, and I drew a lot of inspiration from the young sister who sent the original video out across the globe. Of George Floyd. Yes. And if you remember her testimony, uh, which was a tearful testimony, yeah. very emotional. That was a hard one to watch. And which she said, which is a, a very good testimony for all of us, she said she talks to George Floyd at night mm. and she was crying and she said I wish I had done more to wow. help him now she didn't even know George Floyd she didn't know but him. she felt she was a kid. Yeah. an obligation to have done more than what she did in filming it which to me was a lot and she yeah. just doesn't realize I think how they if she tried hadn't to, filmed it, it may not have it gone wouldn't even know. I mean, you so saw... She did a tremendous thing, but yeah. I think the, the, the spirit behind that is that we all need to do something collectively about this. We can't just be witnesses to this, another case. We've got well, to see this as part of our ongoing struggle yeah. why don't people, to stop this. See, why, why don't people... I'm, I, I'm curious about that. Why don't people... Uh, speak up on these things I think if you ask most people When I'm out here Man I talk to folk Most people know That it's just This is rank and file This is uh, High Degrees of misjustice Are going on Mm -hmm. What's You know What's standing in our ways here Well organization Is a big part of it I mean Even though We have reached And this is the good thing To be very optimistic about uh, And I say this After 50 years In this movement that this last summer was unprecedented. I remember the 60s and 70s movement, and it was big, and I was glad to be coming up in that era. But this is something we've never seen before in the last year. Now, what's missing in this new wave of struggle is, I think, a very a unified leadership. And not that we had it years ago, but we did have some recognizable leaders. There were people and groups Like that, Reverend Al Sharpton. Well, I'm talking about way before he came on the I'm scene, just, you know. No. He's, he's my age, so that was a he was a teenager, yeah. uh, like I was. But we had recognizable leaders, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, and other lesser leaders. But I think what's missing today is any collective or mass recognition of leadership. Now, that may be a good thing. And I know that many people see Black Lives Matter as the leader. Um, what? Yeah, or, a lot of people <coughs> gravitate towards that Black Al Lives Sharpton. Matter. Yeah, Al Sharpton. Some people dig not. Al Sharpton, yeah. I mean, if you, you know, if you but listen... we need on, leadership. How we, talk, we think we, you know, we need leadership. What type of leadership is going to uh, foment what we've Deemed to be an abolitionist or you know, yeah, revolutionary exactly. change here. I mean, well, what, what, a lot of people dig off BLM, man. It, it was a trip. I told you, man, back in circa 2013 or so, I got wrote up at a job for having a BLM bag on, and they said it was divisive. And you know, and that was celebrated it. on the it's late on, night talk show. Yeah, it's on. It's on the NFL's field, and you know. <laughs> 
So what George does that Bush, tell you? George W. Bush <laughs> was saying Black Lives Matter, yeah, Mitt yeah. Romney. So I mean, what is There's it? There's a lesson to to be learned from that, you know, uh, about yeah. leadership. And uh, but I think to answer your question, you know, uh, what's missing, what's conspicuously missing now, is just a firm set of goals, which comes from leadership, that we can rally around. It's not enough now just to say uh, Black Lives Matter. That's our minimum goal. We know we matter. We shouldn't even have to be saying that in 2021. Our lives matter. Yes, we know our lives matter. They don't matter to some. And one way we're going to make them matter is to get control of the forces that are killing us and harassing us and locking us up regularly and denying us our citizenship and our human rights and get that power in our hands since we are the ones being victimized by this and very little is being done about it. And then we can construct using our best minds and expertise and experiences and resources, our own form of policing. Since this system has shown that it is incompetent at best of maintaining public safety at and best. our safety and racist and white supremacists at worst. Yeah. They're not even well, trying and, to. And this is not, and it ain't just pie in the sky. We're talking about the actual physical components that runs the apparatus, yeah. the machine, how it keeps going. Some of those tools that they use, illegal search and seizures, <laughs> broken windows policing, stop and frisk. Man, I remember this is this is my first year of law school. I'm a, I guess, as a nervous tick or something, man, I'm chewing on a pen. I'm in the West End. I'm chewing on a pen driving a car. I get pulled over. They think it's... Cannabis, you know, they're thinking that I have like a, a lit joint in my mouth as I'm driving down the car. You know, I get cuffed. They search the car, and uh, as they uncuff me, I uh, remember they told me, he said, Well, you know, we didn't find anything, and um, you should find this funny. I remember, man, I was like, mm. If I, you know, I felt powerless, man. But they, you know, they, they, it's, you know, Somewhat akin to how the Klan used intimidation <laughs> to, and they may have, they may have known. They might have just been an excuse, because we they we know that there's been history of, they know that someone has nothing to do with a certain crime in question. Mm -hmm. You know, you're they, innocent they, they until proven guilty. Yeah, but they'll they'll kind of yeah they'll roll <laughs> on someone hard if they know that you know maybe they're, uh, you know they know something of a crime or you know just violating your constitutional rights so this doj investigation that we're looking at um you know and from a revolutionary mindset man do they seek to you know with hold our human rights in regard you know time will tell i hope that this show we keep a lens on it 106.5 wfmp community control now Michael T. Vincent Gonzalez, man, we're, we're going to keep uh, working this. We still are trying to figure out, man, and we, you know, we'll do our due diligence to read on these things and give a critical analysis, something that is not, you know, coming out of left field, but is backed by, you know, social science, other mechanisms that we know of. 
man, I'm just, I'm, I'm hoping, man, we can liberate oppressed people. Yeah, and I want to say to our listening audience that as we proceed and go forward, we will be uh, offering people various models um, that uh, we come across that deal with this topic of community control of policing and abolition. As we've said in earlier episodes, uh, these things are just not coming off the top of our heads. Uh, we are learning from what other people are doing and observing what they're doing, like in Chicago, in D.C., in Portland, in Minnesota. And, uh, and all of that has to be ultimately uh, adapted wherever applicable to the Louisville situation. Um, we just don't can't reproduce what's happening in other cities because each city is unique. But we can learn from these other cities. We do not have to totally recreate the will or recreate or create the models. But, I mean, we could even look globally. You mentioned in one episode that we need to look at what Portugal is doing in terms of policing, in terms of decriminalizing of drugs, which is a yeah. big driver of uh, mass incarceration. Yeah. We, we left the door open with show, calling the show community control now because there's so many different aspects of it. But I think just true indeed the what happened when they murdered Breonna Taylor, and then just it, it's it, this house of cards, this policing apparatus that we find ourselves in. It feels just like critical mass. I don't see how we can continue. On, I mean, you just, I mean, they keep saying it, man. I don't want to say another name, and I'm like, I'm still saying names. They're still killing people. The, the these, and then they, you know, they they fine tooth comb these these mm-hmm. misunderstandings and all of these things are not being played out across the board. White people are, they're not having these misfortunes yeah. to the degree. That, that persons of color are, yeah. you know, because it's not a it's not a happenstance misfortune. And it's to, a systemic. And toward that goal of abolishing the police, I think it's very critical, and we've raised it before, that we demonstrate all those who are concerned about this and have any sense of social responsibility, our social responsibility or the social responsibility that we all have to help maintain public safety, just like we're wearing masks, you know, to protect ourselves and to protect others from this virus. You know, one of the problems, people are not looking at this collectively enough. There are people who are looking at it totally individually. I don't want to wear a mask or I don't believe in the COVID uh, virus. So, but you're not looking at the collective, the society. Same goes with policing. People have got to look at this as not somebody else's problem. This is our problem. So when we see social contradictions developing in our communities, we take some type of responsibility. And the ones who feel as though they have the most expertise in maintaining public safety, and there are people who do, who know how to diffuse conflicts, know how to help get people treatment. I mean, in small and big acts. I've always thought about, okay, we have many veterans 
in our neighborhoods, guys who are trained in warfare, trained by the best imperialist army out here. Now, how come these hundreds and thousands of black veterans can't go out here and try to defuse some of these you know, conflicts that are going on in the black community. You've been trained by the government, and then you come back home and you just forget all about it, and killing is happening all around you, but you're only using your training when it's in the service of the government, but not for your community. A group of men, like we tried to do with the Black Panther Party, can't get together and police our own neighborhoods and demonstrate that we don't need police to do this. We can yeah. do this ourselves. Perhaps it's the veneer of, you know, we've been told, we've been we've been spoon-fed the line that, yo, what's going to happen? We can't exist without them. You know, like, we can't, it's, 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 it almost sounds like a lack of imagination. You know, we cannot see ourselves outside of these uh, exploitative Apparatuses and some of this individualism, like you've constantly raised. You know, if you look at the situation that it's just about me and my relationship, as opposed to all of us and what's going on down the street and next door and your apartment matters to you. Mm-hmm. If I hear a bunch of crap going on next door to me, I'm going to be concerned. Yeah, I, I could think, blow well, up in my and, and, and You know what? I mean, let's. I'm. I'm I want to be fair, but I also want to challenge, man. Yeah. This is no easy bake oven, man. When you do that, you you are putting yourself in harm's way sometimes. You know, I'm not saying vigilante, do-gooder, yeah. Batman. Yeah. I'm not talking about that because, as you know, it's, there's, that's, there's a degree of recklessness in that. But I am yeah. saying maybe challenging yeah. people's uh, sense of... Uh, you know, collective safety. Helping to diffuse potential conflict. Yeah, I've mean, seen where people will egg conflicts on. Now, they'll see a couple of people about to go at it, and this thing is getting out of hand. And I've seen on a number of occasions, there'll be folks in the crowd, yeah, 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 kick their butt, and, you know, and I wouldn't take that. Instead of taking the responsible attitude, look, we don't need you people to be fighting. We're not going to tolerate this. Some of us are going to step in. I mean, we got people trained in martial arts and all of this. What are you using it for? For entertainment? You got a, a practical need to utilize all those great boxing and yeah. martial arts skills you have. Well, maybe in your community. Yeah, but but you know, and I think I've met some man just in my adventures in the West End of Louisville. I met some, you know, like you said, some of these, you know, some bad cats, man. They, these dudes was trained up, and they wanted to help the community. They talked to so many of them, though, and they, they're, they're weary because they're like, man, I'm a, I'm a one-man band. I can't, you know, I can't do this by myself. So, Z, where, where do we start, man? We got one minute. Um how about let's not go there. We'll, we'll save that for another episode yeah, here because so a minute, about. man. But what do you what do you want to say to the people, man? I just uh, I'm really grateful to have this opportunity to talk to folk, man. And uh, you know, reach out to us. We got the SoundCloud and the Facebook page. If you if you dig it, um, maybe we'll you know have you on here. But 30 seconds here, man. You got any shout outs? Anything that you want to pass on to the people here? Well, uh, on that same last uh, note that uh, I had hit about social responsibility. It's not looking too good. We got 20 seconds. And okay. Well, yeah, we'll get it knocked it out here. Free all political prisoners. <laughs> That's it. Free Mumia Abdul-Jamal and Leonard Peltier. Yeah. 
That's better. All right. <laughs> Man, and uh, lift the sanctions on Venezuela and the embargo on Cuba. Yeah. Community control. Now let's go.